This is episode 626 of the AWS podcast, released on October 2nd, 2023. Hey everyone, we've made several big changes to how we provide podcasts to you, and of course we'd love to get your feedback. See the show notes for a link to a five-question survey. I'll take you a couple of minutes and let us know what you think. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Lee here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by both of my co-hosts. G'day, Holland. How are you doing, Holland and Lundgren? Living the dream. As always. And, of course, Gillian Ford. G'day, Gillian. How are you going? Always excited to be here. Excellente. So we get to share the updates today, whereas last time it was a solo effort, and it's good to be able to share because sharing is caring. And we're going to start with the topic of the AWS Marketplace. Now, the AWS Marketplace now features a new self-service listing experience in the management portal for SaaS products. And the new feature enables AWS Marketplace sellers to publish and update SaaS listings more quickly and easily. And this feature enables you to interact directly with the AWS Marketplace catalog to create preview, test, and update your product listing without needing the AWS Marketplace to manually process your inputs. You can also now get programmatic notifications for AWS Marketplace offer published events. So with this launch, buyers and partners can use AWS EventBridge to quickly ingest, filter, transform, and deliver offer lifecycle events to build new applications quickly. So you can see a trend here, lots of self-service happening. And finally, AWS Marketplace also now enables sellers to set disbursement preferences to receive their outstanding balances on a daily basis, granting increased flexibility. So what this means is you can now select between daily and monthly disbursements. And if you're doing monthly, you can also select what day of the month you want to receive your disbursements as well. Accounting, it's a thing. All right, now analytics. So we're excited to announce that Apache Flink with Amazon EMR on EKS is in public preview. With this launch, customers who are already using EMR can run their Apache Flink application along with other types of applications on the same EKS cluster. Customers are only required to install the Flink Kubernetes operator and can use the operator to submit jobs directly to their EKS cluster while letting EMR on EKS manage the lifecycle of the Apache Flink application. This allows customers to share resources across their applications and use a single set of Kubernetes tools to centrally monitor and manage their infrastructure. And we're excited to announce support for Amazon Linux 2023 on Amazon EMR on EKS. Customers can now use Amazon Linux 2023 as the operating system together with Java 17 as Java runtime to run Spark workloads on Amazon EMR on EKS. This provides several improvements over Amazon Linux 2, such as supporting Python 3.9 by default, an upgraded GNU-C library, and an upgraded GNU compiler collection. Amazon QuickSight launches pixel-based font size and text highlighting for Textbox Visual. AWS Glue Streaming now supports Kinesis Data Stream's enhanced fanout feature. Amazon Redshift announces cross-region data sharing support through AWS Lake Formation. Amazon Redshift enables you to use AWS Lake Formation to centrally manage permissions on data being shared across your organization. With cross-region data sharing via AWS Lake Formation, you can centrally define AWS Lake Formation permissions of Amazon Data Redshift data shares 
and restrict access to objects within a data share. And last one is Amazon OpenSearch Serverless extends auto-scaling to handle high query rates. And to bring it all together, application integration. Amazon SNS FIFO topics now support message delivery to Amazon SQS standard queues. You can now subscribe Amazon Simple Queue Service SQS standard queues to Amazon Simple Notification Service SNS first in, first out FIFO topics. Thus, from a single SNS FIFO topic, you can now deliver messages to SQS standard queues, which offer best effort ordering and at least once delivery, as well as to SQS FIFO queues, which supports strict ordering and exactly once delivery. This new capability further decouples messaged publishers from subscribers, as the SNS topic type no longer dictates the SQS type that subscribers ought to use. Amazon SNS is a messaging service for application-to-application A2A and application-to-person A2P communication. The A2A functionality provides topics for high-throughput, push-based, many-to-many messaging between distributed system, microservices, and event-driven serverless applications. SNS standard topic provide best effort ordering and at least once delivery, while SNS FIFO topics support strict ordering and exactly once delivery. Both standard and FIFO topics support message fan out to multiple subscription with high durability, security, and message filtering. AWS AppSync WebSocket-based subscription for real-time updates support nested filtering. AWS AppSync is a fully managed service that enables developers to build digital experience based on real-time data. With AppSync, you can configure data sources to push and publish real-time data updates to subscribe clients. AppSync handles connection management, scalability, fan-out, broadcasting, and allowing you to focus on your application business needs instead of managing complex infrastructure. With AppSync, developers can easily specify filtering roles for their subscription to target specific connected clients based on published data. I love WebSockets. I used to do this once upon a time uh, in an airline industry I used to work for, sending real-time traffic updates. So really excited to see this integrated with AppSync. That's nifty because it's like live updates is a question of how hard can it be? And um, really hard is the answer. (laughs) Exactly. And having it managed is even better. That's awesome. AWS Step Functions announces availability for enhanced error handling capabilities in your AWS Step Function workflows to help you identify errors more clearly and provide you with fine-grained control over your tree tries strategies. Up next is Compute. So there's three instances that are now generally available, and they are the C7i, the R7a, and the R7iz. So let's start with the C7i instances. So the C7i instances are powered by custom fourth-generation Intel Xeon scalable processors. These custom processors are available only on AWS, offer up to 15% better performance over comparable x86-based Intel processors utilized by other cloud providers. They are a great choice for all compute-intensive workloads such as batch processing, distributed analytics, high-performance computing, ad serving, highly scalable multiplayer gaming, and video encoding. C7i instances offer larger instance sizes up to 48x large, and the latest DDR5 memory. In addition, customers can now attach up to 128 EBS volumes to a C7i instance. 
Now, the R7A instances are powered by fourth-generation AMD EPYC processors with a maximum frequency of 3.7 gigahertz. They deliver up to 50% higher performance compared to R6A instances. R7A instances are SAP certified and offer new processor capabilities such as AVX512, VNNI, and BFloat16. They feature double data rate 5 memory to enable high-speed access to data in memory and 2.25x more memory bandwidth compared to R6A instances. R7A instances offer 11 sizes from medium to 48x large. They're built on the Nitro system and are ideal for high-performance memory-intensive workloads such as SQL and NoSQL databases, distributed web scale in-memory caches, in-memory databases, real-time big data analytics, and electronic design automation applications. And last of these is the R7iZ instances. These are the fastest fourth-generation Intel Xeon scalable-based instances in the cloud with 3.9 gigahertz sustained all-core turbo frequency. Wow. They deliver up to 20% better performance than previous generation Z1D instances. These instances are built on the Nitro AWS Nitro system, and the R7iZ instances are ideal for front-end electronic design automation, relational databases with high per-core licensing fees, financial, actuarial, data analytics simulations, and other workloads requiring a combination of high compute performance and high memory footprint. That's some beefy servers there. I'm, I'm still kind of like, you know, we're talking terabyte of RAM. <laughs> I know, it's like pretty crazy, wild. Crazy. But wait, there's one more on the compute. So Amazon EC2 now supports Amazon Machine Image Block Public Access. This is an account-wide setting that allows customers to block public sharing of Amazon Machine Images, also known as AMIs, in a region. Customers managing AMIs at scale can now have a simple and proactive way of safeguarding their AMIs from inadvertent access by unauthorized users. By enabling the AMI block public access setting within your AWS account, you can ensure that no new AMI is made public. This blocks unauthorized access to AMIs due to unintended public sharing and prevents their potential misuse. Customers with existing public AMIs can also enable AMI block public access within their AWS accounts to restrict private AMIs in their account from being publicly shared without impacting existing public AMIs. And a quick update on cost management. Cost anomaly detection increases custom anomaly monitor limit to 500. And to clarify, this is to track spend on their accounts. A little bit of background, cost on anomaly detection uses machine learning to continuously monitor, detect, and alert customers on anonymous spend patterns. A custom anomaly monitor allows a user to track AWS spend across either linked account, cost allocation tags, or cost categories. Nice. Avoid surprises. Now let's talk about customer engagement and the Amazon Connect team have been very busy improving that service for our customers and there's a few updates here. Firstly, the Amazon Connect cases now includes the author name on the comments. 
The Connect cases also now supports attachments, so you can keep critical information close to the case. It also has launched a contact data updated event as well. And there are now APIs to programmatically configure views in step-by-step guides, so you can easily configure what gets displayed in your agent's UI. Now, Amazon SES, the simple email service, is expanding its email receiving capabilities to seven new regions. Now, you're probably used to SES being able to send, but did you know it can receive? This expansion provides businesses and developers who deal with a high volume of emails a robust solution for swift processing. As the email receiver, SES handles underlying mail receiving operations like communication with other mail servers, scanning for spam and viruses, blocking mail from untrusted sources, and accepting mail from recipients in your domain. Amazon SES is now giving businesses more flexibility and convenience with its expanded regional coverage. So it now allows you to handle your incoming emails in a manner that's most effective and compliant with data residency regulations. The expanded service is available in the following regions, Asia-Pacific Sydney, Tokyo, Singapore, Europe, Frankfurt, London, Canada Central, and US East Ohio. And this is one of the services that I rely on a lot and and a lot of customers do, but we kind of don't talk about it much, but it really is renowned for its reliable, scalable, and cost-effective email platform for businesses. It really just handles outbound, inbound, notifications, transactional stuff. It just works. And uh, I know I use it in a lot of my uh, applications just for little notifications and other stuff. And I never even think about it, just the, the mail must get through. And now on to another very useful topic, databases. We've got four updates for all the Postgres fans. So Postgres 16 is now available in Amazon RDS database preview environment. RDS Postgres for multi-AZ deployments with two readable standbys now supports major version upgrades. And Postgres on RDS now supports H3PG for geospatial indexing. And RDS Postgres now supports custom data types in trusted language extensions for Postgres. So you can now use trusted language extensions for Postgres to create a new base or scalar data types. You can specify how they are stored and define functions that support SQL and index operations for those data types. And the last one for the MariaDB fans is Amazon RDS for MariaDB supports miners 10.11.5, 10.6.15, and 10.4.31. up next, my one of my favorite topics, developer tools. AWS SAM CLI announces local testing and debugging support on Terraform projects. The AWS serverless application model SAM command line interface CLI announces the launch of SAM CLI local testing and debugging on HashiCorp Terraform. The AWS SAM CLI is a developer tool that makes it easier to build, test, package, and deploy serverless applications. Terraform is an infrastructure-as-code tool that lets you build, change, version, cloud, and on-premises resources safely and efficiently. Customers can now use SAM CLI to locally test and debug AWS Lambda functions and Amazon API Gateway defined in their Terraform application. SAM CLI can read the infrastructure resource information from the Terraform project and start Lambda function and API Gateway endpoints locally running in a Docker container. Customers can invoke their function or API endpoint with an event payload or attach a debugger using AWS toolkits on IDE to step through the Lambda function code, which is pretty neat. 
Previously, SLAM CLI only supported local testing and debugging on confirmation templates. With this change, Terraform users can use SAM CLI local testing commands like SAM local start API, SAM local start lambda, and SAM local invoke on their Terraform projects to speed up their development cycles. They can also use SAM local generate command to generate mock test events for local testing. This feature is supported with Terraform versions 1.1 or higher. Code pipeline support for GitLab groups. You can now use repositories in your project in gitlab.com group to build, test, and deploy code changes using AWS code pipeline. Amazon Code Catalyst now supports IP address access restrictions in GitHub Enterprise Cloud. AWS announces that using Amazon Code Catalyst with source repository hosted on GitHub is now compatible with IP address access restrictions in GitHub organizations. This ensures that Code Catalyst is compatible with all features in GitHub Enterprise Cloud. Code Catalyst project can use source repository that are hosted in either Code Catalyst or GitHub. When Code Catalyst projects are linked to repositories in GitHub Enterprise Cloud organization that can restrict access to fixed IP range, the Code Catalyst GitHub extension will automatically register its IP with GitHub. Now, speaking of development, let's talk about front-end web and mobile. Amplify Studio now offers full support of GraphQL APIs. So all developers using GraphQL APIs created either with Amplify Studio or Amplify CLI will now have access to all of Studio's features. This includes Form Builder, Figma to Code UI Generation, and Data Manager. Now, previously, data-powered features were only available to developers using Amplify Data Store. Now, you can use it for all Amplify GraphQL APIs. And all new and existing Amplify developers can now generate forms connected to the API. They can manage records in their API with Data Manager and create data-bound Figma to React components as well. Speaking of APIs, there is also an API gateway console refresh. Now, this has usability improvements to REST and WebSocket API workflows, accessibility improvements, and dark mode support. Big fan of dark mode. Workflows for REST APIs and WebSocket APIs are revamped using Cloudscape Design System Guidelines, which is an open source solution for building intuitive, engaging, and inclusive user experiences. The REST API and WebSocket API console experience is now visually aligned with the console experience of HTTP APIs and other AWS services. You can sort and configure relevant information through tables for usage plans and client certificates. API keys are also displayed as a table, and you can search and filter using properties such as name, description, ID, or creation date. The new console experience allows you to deploy an API directly from the resource view without associating a stage with a deployment. And stage details, documentation parts, and monitoring the API dashboard are visually restructured for improved comprehension, cohesiveness, and just better access to important information. Up next is machine learning. Amazon SageMaker now provides a new Quick Studio setup experience. And Amazon SageMaker Inference now supports multi-model endpoints for PyTorch. I like this one because there's probably a lot of you here who are listening who aren't even sure of what multi-model endpoint is, even though you are using SageMaker. So multi-model endpoint is exactly what it sounds like. One endpoint for multiple models. So with this feature, Customers can save costs as they can share instances behind an endpoint across thousands of models and only pay for the number of instances used. With multi-model endpoint, support for TorchServe 
customers can deploy thousands of PyTorch-based models on a single SageMaker endpoint. Definitely check it out. Amazon SageMaker geospatial capabilities now support notebooks with GPU-based instances. Customers use the geospatial image within SageMaker Studio notebooks to develop and run end-to-end geospatial machine learning workloads. Support for the geospatial image within SageMaker Studio Notebook for GPU instances is now generally available in US West 2. Amazon Kendra releases Web Crawler for dynamic content support. Amazon Personalize now makes it easier to implement machine learning powered personalization with increased dataset column limits. Amazon Personalize uses datasets provided by customers to train custom personalization models on their behalf. Some customers experiment with multiple iterations of their datasets in order to optimize model performance while fitting within column limits on datasets. With this launch, we increase column limits to reduce the need for experimentation and accelerate implementation. Now customers can bring 100 columns to their items' datasets and 25 columns to their users' datasets. With these increases, customers can now bring more of their data and allow personalized to optimize model performance on their behalf. And we are announcing Knowledge Base for Amazon Bedrock in preview. So Knowledge Base lets you connect your organization's private data sources to foundation models. This makes it easy to enable retrieval augmented generation in your generative AI applications to deliver more relevant and contextual foundational model responses. Now, I didn't know what retrieval augmented generation was prior to this announcement. So if you're like me and wondering, what does this even mean? I looked it up. So retrieval augmented generation, it's actually a technique to improve the quality of the responses from the large language model by giving the model access to the most current data. So for use cases such as question answering on an organization's private data, customers use retrieval augmented generation by passing an end user's query to search across a customer's internal data sources and retrieve relevant text. So Knowledge Base for Amazon Bedrock eliminates the need to integrate different systems. Now developers can specify the location of their documents, such as an Amazon S3 bucket, and Amazon Bedrock will manage the ingestion workflow and runtime orchestration. Customers can choose from a range of vector databases, including the vector engine for Amazon OpenSearch Serverless, Pinecone, and Redis Enterprise Cloud. Knowledge Base for Amazon Bedrock is currently available in preview to all customers who have access to agents for Amazon Bedrock. And now for all the things management and governance, Amazon CloudWatch Logs announces regular expression filter pattern syntax support. We're excited to announce regular expression support for Amazon CloudWatch Logs filter pattern syntax, making it easier to search and match relevant logs. Customers use filter pattern syntax today to search logs, extract metrics using metric filters, and send specific logs to other destination with subscription filters. With this launch, customers will be able to further customize these operations to meet their needs with flexible and powerful regular expressions within filter patterns. Now, customers can define one filter to match multiple IP subnets or HTTP status codes using a regular expression. Rather than having to define multiple filters to cater to each variation, reducing configuration management overhead on their logs, which is really efficient and super handy if you ask me. 
Amazon CloudWatch add Amazon EKS control plane logs as vended logs. Custom notifications are now available for AWS Chatbox. AWS Trust Advisor now supports a new fault-tolerant check for events that fail processing during asynchronous invocation with AWS Lambda. AWS Trust Advisor evaluates your AWS account with automated checks and provide cloud optimization recommendation to reduce costs, improve performance, increase security and fault tolerance, and monitor service quota. Love that trusted advisor. If you don't look at it regularly, here's your reminder. There's a console, there's an API. It tells you stuff that you should probably pay attention to. On to the topic of media services. A couple of quick updates here. Adibus Elemental Link UHD has simplified live video contribution with Media Connect so you can build live video workflows and securely share high-value live content globally with your partners and customers. And Adibus Elemental Media Connect has also added new CloudWatch metrics. So these include consecutive packet drops, consecutive packets not recovered, jitter, latency, and of course, uptime. Now. We've got networking and content delivery. AWS CloudMap now supports AWS PrivateLink. AWS CloudMap is a cloud resource discovery service. You can now use AWS PrivateLink to privately access AWS CloudMap APIs from your Amazon Virtual Private Cloud VPC without exposing your data through the public internet. Amazon Route 53 now supports AWS Managed Prefix lists for health checks. And the last is VPC DNS query logging is now available in five new AWS regions. And now for the most important topic, top of mind, security, identity, and compliance. AWS Identity and Access Management IAM now provides action last access information for more than 140 services to help you refine the permissions of your IAM roles. You can review action last access information, identify unused permissions, and refine to scope down the access of your IAM roles to only the action that they use for services such as Amazon CloudWatch, AWS Key Management Service, KMS, and Elastic Load Balancing, ELB. Remember, we always do the least privileges. Amazon Guard Duty introduces cluster configurability in EKS runtime monitoring. Amazon Guard Duty announces a new capability in Guard Duty EKS runtime monitoring that allows you to selectively configure which Amazon Elastic Kubernetes Service EKS clusters are to be monitored for threat detection. Previously, configurability was at the account level only. With this added cluster level configurability, customers can now selectively monitor EKS cluster for threat detection or continue to use account level configurability to monitor all EKS cluster in a given account and region. Announcing AWS Manage IAM policy for Rosa with hosted control planes. We're excited to announce the introduction of 11 new AWS Managed Policy for Red Hat OpenShift service on AWS Rosa with hosted control planes, HCP, which is now in technology preview. The AWS Managed Policy provided narrowly scoped permissions for IAM roles that Rosa uses to manage your cluster infrastructure and ensures that these permissions stay up to date with new OpenShift versions. AWS IAM Identity Center session duration limit increases from 7 days to 90 days. Amazon Detective adds Amazon EKS security investigations to AWS Workshop Studio. 
And AWS WAF bot control now protects against distributed proxy-based attacks. AWS WAF bot control for targeted bots now offer predictive machine learning ML technology, provide protection against distributed proxy-based attacks. AWS, a AWS WAF previously launched AWS bot control for targeted bots, which provides protection against sophisticated bots that attempt to evade detection. AWS WAF bot control for targeted bots can also be used to define block, challenge, and capture rules against distributed block bot attacks, such as attacks using residential and mobile proxies. And to finish up today, we're going to talk about storage. And AWS Backup announces support for Amazon Aurora Continuous Backup, which allows specific point-in-time restore within a customer's retention period of up to 35 days. Now, AWS Backup is a fully managed service that centralizes and automates data protection across AWS services and hybrid workloads. And with this launch, Aurora customers using AWS Backup can now restore their database to a specific time directly from their AWS Backup console or the API or the CLI. And AWS Backup has also launched a resource exclusion for AWS CloudFormation stack. So this way you can exclude things that you don't want to have backed up because you can recreate them in some other way. And there are some new Amazon FSx for NetApp ONTAP capabilities to simplify your management of file systems using the ONTAP CLI. You can now create additional ONTAP file system administrator users for your file system, and you can use Active Directory credentials to access the ONTAP CLI. And finally, we're happy to announce post-launch actions framework for AWS Elastic Disaster Recovery. Now, this means you can run things automatically after launching your recovery instances, which means you can automate any action that you need to do after an instance has successfully launched. So with AWS DRS, you can now create those custom actions for any AWS Systems Manager command or automation, including documents you create or were shared with you. So basically, you can pretty much do almost anything. A predefined set of actions is also included with this launch, such as installing the CloudWatch agent and creating an Amazon machine image from the instance. So this really helps you with minimizing downtime and data loss because it gives you very reliable uh, recovery of both on-premises and cloud-based applications using affordable storage, minimum compute, and point-in-time recovery. So that's it. We covered a lot. Horn, how do people get in touch with you? I know a listener reached out to you recently with some great feedback. So how do more people do that if they want to? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach out to me on my Twitter handler at Solo underscore one. And Gillian, how do people get in touch with you? Miss Jill Ford. Couldn't be easier. And if you're old school like me, AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And of course, until next time, keep on building.